Growing Pains, i.e. Parenting Podcast, in association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices. Hi, I'm Irene Feehan and welcome to Growing Pains, the Irish Examiner's parenting podcast series in association with Safe Food. With me today is child psychotherapist Dr. Joanna Fortune, who writes a column for our IE Parenting section out every Tuesday and online. Joanna is the author of the 15 Minute Parenting Books and she also hosts a 15 Minute Parenting podcast series. For the next 20 minutes, we'll be talking about schoolgate friendships. Joanna, you're very welcome to our studio. Thank you, Irene. So we know the scenario. We're outside the school gate. It's hectic. You're waiting for your child to come from the school. There's mums, there's dads. Uh, how do, what do we do to avoid those school gate clicks and how do we make friendships as well? So it's a, it's, it's a tricky one to actually to crack in a it way, really isn't it? It really is. And I think, you know, it's really about understanding the difference between a click and a connection. You know, we can have connections. I think we should have connections at the school gate. It's a great way to get insight into the school community. I think we should be encouraging a more collaborative sense between school environment and parents and having that connection and community vibe around school is important. But we shouldn't confuse or conflate those school gate connections with you know, other friendships or relationships we have in our life, which are deeper, have, you know, many more years on the clock and belong to a different part of us. And what I mean by that, what has me at the school gate is the fact that my child goes to school. That's what I have in common with other parents at the school gate. But we may not have a whole lot more in common. We might, by the way, it's entirely possible to have a friend who's up at the school or make a friend there. But I think we shouldn't rely on that. We should be very careful about the boundaries and we should be respectful of what other people are bringing to the school gate. They may be somebody who isn't hanging around, cannot hang around and is in a hurry. Um, you know, so we need to to be understanding, I suppose, of what our needs are and what our expectations are of the school gate. So it's like managing expectations then. It really is. It really is. And you talk about that lovely idea between you forge, not force a friendship. So exactly. That, there's, a, there's a lot of waiting and seeing as well, I'd imagine. I think you have to let it evolve. Mm. And I think that's part of what comes with friendship, isn't it? We develop friendships. We develop connections. It's not instant. Oh, you have a child here. I have a child here. They're in the same class. Ergo, we're friends. That's not the way it works. And if you try to force it or you try to turn a meaningful, you know, genuine connection into a deeper friendship without that basis being there in terms of what do we have in common, you know, what would bring us together as friends, it can become very awkward and uncomfortable. So, if you can just go on to the different kinds of parents that you're going to meet at the school gate, so you've got the sporting parents, the ones who are competitive, you've got uh, ones who are working full time, haven't got a minute to spare, you've got the more laid back, hippie type. So are these categories? 
categories real? Do we need to think about them? I mean, I don't know if they're real categories. I think you see that in all aspects of life, Mm. don't you? You're going to have the people who are, I think it's how we make school a part of our everyday lives. Some of us who are working outside of home are literally dropping and running and Mm. we're not being rude. We're not being avoidant. That's actually how our schedule works. Others might be on their way to the gym, coming from the gym, because actually making the school timetable a part of our lives works for us. And there are other parents who are there and they have time. You know, they have time that it's more unstructured. They can see who's there, have a casual chat, maybe suggest a spontaneous coffee in the moment. All of that is real. So they are real in that regard. But I think we should be careful about categorizing the parents around us and saying, oh, well, they're the work parent group and they're the sporty parent group and they're the this group because all we're doing is driving a disconnection where there really isn't a need for that. So I'm always very cautious about the who's the type here. You know, we're all parents. We all have busy, active lives, no matter what way that is structured for us. But I think we should be open to connections with everybody Mm. at the and Gate. those parents are so important as well, just for our support as well, network as well for your child who's at school. I think so. I really do. And I think, you know, as adults, you know, I remember asking a question across my social media platform some time ago about how easy is it to make friends as adults? And across the platforms, it averaged out at 71% of people saying it's really difficult to make friends as an adult, to make a new friend, I Mm. mean, as an adult. And yet we know how important friendships are. You know, we need friends in our lives, no matter how old we are. But I think the development and sustaining of friendship takes effort. But more than effort, Irene, it takes trust. You know, friendships, relationships are trust-based connections. And we see this with our children, don't we? We can bring them to a playground. They'll meet a child they've never met before. They will form a deep and meaningful connection for the duration of time that they're there because Mm. they're so open and so trusting. We adults are a little different. We don't trust as easily. We're more self-conscious. We're more self-aware. We're more cautious. We don't let people in as easy. So that time it takes to nurture that connection is something that we don't always have as busy parents. And it's not going to happen just because you've got kids in the same class is the point, really. But I do think that we have to get curious about this. And it's worth, you know, really thinking about the role of friendships in our lives, because if we understand this, then we know where it belongs in different areas of our lives, because I do think friendships can get deprioritized as we become more consumed with family life. And yet those are the relationships that we crave when they're absent. So we let them get deprioritized. There's context to that. But we desperately miss them when they're not there. They're so sustaining as well, those friendships. Because our friends are different from family connections. Mm. We choose our friends. That's They're a choice always. Mm. And because friendship is, I'm going to call it a voluntary relationship, it can suffer when it's competing with relationships that we have more set obligations to, like our children, our partners, our work colleagues, our aging parents, whatever it might be. You know, they're more obligation. It doesn't mean we don't love them, by the way, but there's obligation involved. Mm. So we can see our friendships suffer. And because of that, friendships in adulthood tend to center around purpose. And that would be 
that we become friends with the parents of the kids in our class. We're there anyway. You know, we see them every day. It seems to just, oh, well, I'll be this person's friend. And I have that then. And I do think, and it's worth saying it again, that casual friendships um, over deeper connections, we shouldn't confuse them, but they can be authentic and there can be benefit to them. For okay. Sure. So I don't want you thinking, well, I really love talking to the parents that get great. That has meaning for you. That is authentic. But it's not the same as a friend who knows your, your, everything about your life or that you confide in or that you open up to. That may not be appropriate with somebody that you only know through the school gate. I want to ask you about the WhatsApp groups, which can be quite contentious. So usually for each class, there's a WhatsApp. And how can they be managed in a way that they're supportive to the parent as opposed to a platform maybe for gossip or other issues arising? And we always hear stories about mm. the WhatsApp groups, don't mm. we? And yet they are important because it allows us to share information in a really open way. Everybody gets the same message at the same time. I think it's about ground rules and boundaries. I think boundaries is the key word here and that you understand this isn't a place to you know, perhaps share some funny forwarded meme that you saw or to post things that are not school related. Many parents in your group just don't want that. That's not the place for it. And this comes back to understanding your connections, doesn't it? And mm. and who the, who everyone is in your life. I think the WhatsApp group for information about when is it a non-uniform day? What, what day is PE day? Is it two euros at the gate for something today? Like those kind of really important pieces of information, they belong there. I think we have to be very careful about what else gets in there or getting into bickering or rows or tensions. And it, it's not dissimilar to when we're getting irritated, you know, in response to something our children are doing. I might find something somebody says irritating on a given day, but it's probably because it's one of my low stamina days and I'm running and I don't have time to read a huge big message. So if I was to respond to that, it might not be the right response in that moment. So I think really engage with it on I suppose within the boundary of what it's created with, it is to share information. Don't treat it any other way. And if there's an issue that arises, and how, how would you just suggest that a parent deals with it? I mean, do you just withdraw? Don't comment? Comment and say, really, I'm not comfortable with this. I would be a fan of naming what it what, is, what it is. Um, because sometimes it can come from a really well-meaning, well-intentioned, no malice intended way. And it could be um, it would be really helpful for me if this group just stuck to what we were set up to do. I don't want to cause anyone offense, but, you know, if if I log in here and I see there's 62 messages and they're not about school, mm. that's not a comfortable place for me to be. And that you could either say that, and if you're thinking, I could never say that in the parent group, go to who is the group administrator Good and idea. say it to them directly and say, look, any chance of a message just reminding everybody about the purpose of this group, because I can't be reading 62 unrelated messages or emojis in response to a message. <laughs> and then you come back to the boundaries. So what are the boundaries it around really this is, WhatsApp? And the yeah. purpose. The purpose of it. But I think it's also what we were talking about just, you know, at the beginning of this episode, it's also about what is my relationship to the people in this community? What is my relationship to the people in this group? And within this collective group, we are here to get information about school as it relates to our children. Anything else belongs in a different group or a different format. 
I'd like to go on to talk about play dates because <laughs> these can be really political. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's managing those. It's facilitating your child who wants to have play dates, but it, they don't always work in the child's best interest or you might have other other projects for your child to get involved in. How how do you just how does that play out? Managing the politics of play dates, mm. isn't it really? Mm. And we're back to that word connections and boundaries because it does carry forward. And I think, you know, play dates can be a part of the complexity of the school gate connections because who is initiating the play date? is really important. You know, am I initiating it because I would like to, we're back to that word forcing and forging, aren't we? Mm. I would like to force a connection for my child that I believe is good for them or maybe good for me. Mm -hmm. If I'm being honest with myself, you know, having a little bit of insight into that, or am I following my child's lead that they have mentioned this child's name a number of times? They seem to be excited. They seem to enjoy spending time with them. And they have said, I would like to spend extra time outside of school playing with this child. And I think that's the important piece about play dates. They are not a need in children's lives. They might be a want, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they're not a necessity. So if you're a parent going, no, it doesn't fit into our family life, the way we're working, the way we're set up. I cannot do play dates. That's OK. You're not damaging your child. But being really clear about the boundaries, if somebody does invite your child on a play date that you say up front, lovely, they would love to go. I need to let you know I'm not there in the afternoons and I won't be able to reciprocate this play date. So be really clear what the contract is, what the understanding exactly. is. But I think that carries forward into the play date itself, like mm. a genuine play date with children in mind <laughs> is about 90 minutes long. Okay. It might be two hours, but it's on average 90 minutes long. If your child is playing with another child for four hours after school, that's a childcare arrangement. And that is absolutely fine. You may well have a reciprocal arrangement with a parent where you cover, look, I'll cover you, you cover me and this works for you. But let's not call that a play date <laughs> because it is something else. A play date has a beginning and an end. Children enjoy being together. They can just as easily get a little tired of sharing their toys, of sharing their space. And you want the play date to end on a positive high note where they want more of each other rather than when is this kid going home or they're fighting um, or it's all ending up in disarray by the time the parent comes to the door. Most children do not need intervention from us parents to structure and orchestrate their play. They are well able to do that. If your child finds it difficult to share their space, their toys with another child or to let another child take the lead on the play or to share ideas, you know, if you mm. you know who you are, if you have a child who's more mm. of the director in the play um, and you can hear that's not fair or, oh, that's mine because I said so, you might want to put a bit of structure into your play date. And by that, I really mean something simple now, Irene. I mean, like you might bake some buns, you might even buy them in the shop and that's OK too. Mm. And mix up a bit of icing and let the children come out and decorate buns. So the, the thing with the buns and the structure is you bake them at the beginning of the play date. While they're cooking, they go off and play. Then they are cooling. And towards the end of the play date, they come out and decorate them and it just bookends the play date, structure one end, structure the other. But keep it to that 90 minutes as opposed to a long drawn out session, which can exhaust 
Everybody. I, I think so. And just, yeah. And you know your own child, you know what they're capable of, but you might not know what the other child's capacity for prolonged engagement is. Mm. You might not know if they could sustain a two and a half, three hour play date. And it might be make them quite anxious as well to be away from home for that long. Different different values, different way of exactly. serving food, different rules. Ab- well, exactly mm. all of that. And remember, it's something that you're choosing to do. You do not have to do this. Mm. And I've had parents say to me, oh, you do, you do. Everyone does them. You have a choice mm. to say it's not something that we do. Children spend all day in school together. It is a choice to have this extra social connection outside. It's not a necessity. So if we were to come back then to the coming back to the parents themselves and um, how do they actually just tend to look after themselves, invest themselves in terms of friendships? Because sometimes it may there may not be a connection at the school gate with yeah, the other parents. Absolutely. And so what do they do to make that time at the school gate or the, just it more enjoyable for them, more rewarding? I think we have to get back to basics on this. We have to know, well, who do I want to bring into my life? You know, what am I looking for in a friend, in a friendship? And, you know, what can I put in as much as what am I looking to get out? And I think we can use that time at school in a myriad of ways. And by the way, I mean, dropping them to school and wherever you're going to next, that might be to work, it might be back home, it might be to something else. But I think we have to look for those micro moments of joy mm. in our life called glimmers, you know, the opposite to triggers, because I, you know, some people may be, oh, no, I dread the school gate. It's very triggering. I don't know who to talk to. I feel awkward. But what is your glimmer? Make that work for you. So it might be that you drop your child off to school and you go to a nice cafe somewhere and you enjoy a lovely coffee on the way home. And that is your micro moment of joy. A micro moment of joy, just to clarify, is the spark of energy um, that we were really going, oh, I love that. You know, those moments in our a day, lift. a lift. And they they happen a lot and more than we take stock of because we're so busy and we're in a hurry. We go, Oh, I love that. And we move on. This is about, oh, I love that. And savoring the joy that that gives us even for 30 to 60 seconds. And, you know, it started at home with a sip of ice cold orange juice or the blast of the shower on your skin first thing in the morning when you go, oh, that feels good. Enjoy that. Build in some of those joyful moments around your school community relationships, I think. It could be listening to a podcast, your favorite podcast that makes you laugh on the way home. It could be, as I said, the coffee. It could be simply going for a walk. Mm. It could be just taking the 5, 10, 15 minutes that it takes for you to get from school to home and making it yours. I think that just makes you look forward to the school gate drop off and collection rather than dread it because you've built your own joyful and you moments in. you have your own in. positive associations. Exactly, well. exactly. I'm just thinking on those walks in an ideal opportunity to call a friend and have a walk and a talk. And that's a really good point because I think often we find it easier to reconnect with a friend that maybe the friendship has gone a little gaps in between our mm. connections than make a new connection with somebody. So even taking 15 minutes a day, every other day, in a week, even if that's what you can manage and devoting that 15 minutes to a phone call, a text message, a voice note, whatever you're most comfortable with to say hi, thinking about you, remembering something we did that was really good fun or wondering, have you got the capacity to meet up or do you know what? I'm not even going to put that demand on you. Have you got 10 minutes for a chat? 
I'd love to just talk with you right now. I think if we invest, because I said, you know, friendships and relationships are work. This is the work. But I think we certainly have 15 minutes in a week that we can give to those because of the benefits they bring to our lives, because of how important friendships are in our lives. Thank you, Joanna, for reminding us that we have different friendship groups and each one supporting us in different ways. Thank you. Growing Pains, IE Parenting Podcast, in association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices.